From Advisory Board, we are bringing you a radio advisory. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. After days of waiting and counting, we finally have a decision over the next president of the United States. And now that we have a winner, we can start to think about what a Biden-Harris administration will look like for healthcare. I should probably caveat that as of at least Monday morning, President Trump has yet to concede the race and will, of course, be monitoring ongoing legal challenges. But for today, we're going to be looking at the implications of a Biden presidency on the healthcare landscape. To do that, I've brought back advisory board expert Christopher Kearns. Welcome back to the podcast, Christopher. Feels like it's been not very long ago, and at the same time, it feels like it's been about a million years since we last chatted. I completely agree. I'm curious, what were you doing on Saturday when, after days of waiting, we finally got some news about the presidential election? Well, I was actually about to go out for a bike ride, and I'm like, well, this is all shot to hell now, so (laughs) might as well do some writing. I was in the middle of the woods on a hike, and thankfully some other hikers on the trail suddenly kind of yelled, and we all went, oh my gosh, look at your phone, and then it was a, a race back to to cell phone service uh, to find out what was actually happening. I have to say, though, that the prep that you and I and others, and Yulon especially, have done over the last week made it really easy to be able to get out our message pretty darn quickly. I'm pretty impressed with us for that. So pat on the back for both (laughs) of us. Well, let's go ahead and actually talk about the Biden victory. But before we get into some of the details, I think it's important to remember that Donald Trump will still be president until January 20th. So what, if anything, can we actually expect from a lame duck session? Well, I think there are a few things that we can expect. One is that the COVID relief bills are likely to face a lot of uphill battles because Mm. on the one hand, you will have a Republican Senate that is eager to get a deal done before the end of the year to prove to their constituents, especially in Georgia, that they have accomplished a deal before the end of the year. At the same time, you have the House Democrats that may be reticent to support anything before they end up getting a Biden presidency. So, We have a little bit of a game of chicken, I think, going on in Congress right now. I would suspect that you can't really expect to see anything other than stopgap measures before the end of the year. Hmm. Beyond new COVID relief, I know that existing relief through the CARES Act hasn't fully doled out all of the money that was available. Is that something that we can expect in the near term? It's a really interesting open question. So of the $175 billion in grants that were provided in the CARES Act and its follow-up legislation, all but about $31 billion has been allocated. So we just recently got a $20 billion tranche allocated, but we still have $31 billion left. I can very much see the Trump administration wanting to accelerate those payments to providers Mm. before the end of the year to keep it out of the hands of the Democrats. So that's something to watch for, and it could provide a significant revenue boost in the short term for providers if that does in fact happen. Beyond COVID relief, let's just talk about pandemic management itself. We know that on Saturday, in the same moments that a Biden victory was called, 
there was also the announcement of what would be a new coronavirus task force, right, led by former Surgeon Generals, former heads of the FDA, and and many scientists and researchers to be at the forefront of the continued battle against coronavirus. What else can we expect? I think the biggest thing that you can expect is a lot more centralization of both guidelines and mandates where possible coming from a Biden administration. So it's been talked about a lot, but a potential mask mandate that is nationwide is potentially in the offing. It is unclear as to how enforceable that is likely to be, but that is potentially in the offing. At the very least, we can expect a lot more stringent and capacious guidelines coming from the federal government. And I think this task force is indicative of that. Big change here, of course, is that the Trump administration devolved much of the coronavirus response to the states. That's right. And in many ways, that is just a function of our government. The states retain enormous amounts of power and authority when it comes to their response to the coronavirus. So I think we can expect a lot more guidance coming from the feds. As for enforcement, that does remain to be seen. And we talked about this a little bit last week in that lockdowns continue to be something that is unpopular or maybe seen as a last resort. Does your answer to that change at all, given the results of the election? I think that President-elect Biden is going to be facing enormous pressure to resist massive new lockdowns. But I also think that if we start to see significant surges, it's quite possible that they could resume. Hmm. And Christopher, you just mentioned something a moment ago, right? And that's that we don't actually know who is going to be the majority in the Senate yet. We've got runoffs for both seats in Georgia coming up in January. So even though we have answers in the presidential race, I still want to do a little bit of scenario planning when it comes to what might happen in the Senate. So let's start with a world where the Republicans retain the majority. What can Biden actually do with a Republican Senate? There are a few things that Biden will be able to do unilaterally. One is restoring the cost-sharing subsidies within the exchanges that were pulled under the Trump administration. I think we can almost certainly expect to see more of that. I think that there are a number of different things that his administration can do with respect to alternative payment models and pushing on value-based care. I think there will be a lot of latitude that the president gets on that, mostly because a lot of those issues are bipartisan in nature. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the more aggressive pieces of legislation that were proposed are unlikely to happen. Let's talk about that. What would be maybe off the table in a world where the Republicans retain the majority in the Senate? Well, there are two really important things that were proposed in healthcare beyond COVID relief. So I think obviously we're going to see some sort of COVID relief package happen no matter what a Republican-led Senate would certainly support that. But there are two aspects that I think are going to be much more of an uphill battle with a GOP-led Senate. One is lowering the Medicare eligibility age. That's going to be a big uphill battle Mm -hmm. um, with the GOP-led Senate. And I think a federal public option to help expand Medicaid or the equivalent of expanding Medicaid in states that haven't done so, I think that's going to be very difficult as well. I think that's right. And we should acknowledge that that also doesn't mean that we won't see more states taking the lead on things like a public option or expanding Medicaid. In fact, in that scenario, I think it's very likely that we'll see a resurrection of a lot of the legislation at the state level for different types of public options. We've seen this explored in a number of states, most prominently in Washington and Colorado. 
And I think we're likely to see some of those bills come back to life and some of those policies start to get new life in them once state revenues, tax revenues, that is, stabilize. In a world where it is much more difficult to pursue something that would look like a federal public option, what's on the table for the states that haven't yet expanded Medicaid? Well, I think you're going to see a few more states look to expand Medicaid under the ACA's original guidelines. Hmm. And the reason for that is a lot of states have probably held off over the past year or so, potentially anticipating a Biden win and thinking that the Democrats would have a pretty strong majority in the Senate and push a public option through, in which case there's no reason to expand Medicaid because the public option would do that for them at a much lower cost. I think now, if we end up seeing the GOP keep the Senate, we're likely to see some states expanding Medicaid sooner rather than later. Mm. I, don't, I wouldn't venture a guess as to which ones, though. Now I want to switch gears and talk about the other scenario on the table. So if the Democrats win both runoff elections in Georgia, they effectively have a majority with Vice President Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker. What would happen in a Democratic-led Senate under a Biden administration? Well, we should point out that even in such a scenario, a lot of the more aggressive pieces of legislation that I just mentioned, Medicare eligibility, public option would still face a bit of an uphill battle, but it's not impossible. Mm. I think we could see some version of those pieces of legislation go through. So a slight lowering of the Medicare age or a public option that might look like Medicare Advantage public option, for example. These are all possible, if a little bit more difficult, because that means the Democrats can avoid zero defections from the party line. That's right. On the other hand, there is one thing that I think becomes a whole lot easier, and that is cabinet appointments. So Hmm. we can see Biden's cabinet appointees effectively sail through the Senate a lot more easily if the Democrats recapture the Senate, even with a narrowest of majorities. I also think it's important just to remind our audience that there there are things that the president can do administratively, meaning without Congress. Are there some of those things that that you're tracking that might be the easy wins that the Biden administration is going to go for? Well, I just mentioned one of them a little bit earlier, which was the restoring of cost-sharing subsidies that were pulled under the Trump administration. So I think that would certainly lower the cost, or at least the out-of-pocket cost, for certain of the exchange-based plans, and that can certainly be done unilaterally. There are also a lot of odds and ends too, such as restoring funding for navigators or extending open enrollment periods within the exchanges. These are all administrative actions that any president can do, and I think we can expect the Biden administration to follow through on. I recognize that we're coming off a pretty exhausting week from one of the big November decisions, but it's also not the only decision that's happening this month. In fact, today, the Supreme Court begins hearings that will ultimately decide the future of the ACA. Is there anything that a Biden administration can do to sort of shift the winds in their direction? Well, I don't think that the Supreme Court is really going to take into account who controls Congress or who controls the presidency when it comes to their decision. And remember, all we're hearing this week are oral arguments. We're not going to be having a final decision probably until the springtime when a new president and the Congress is fully seated and in action. However, the makeup of Congress really does matter if there is a remedy that is required as a result of the ACA being struck down or partially struck down. 
Now, most of the legal analysts that we have talked to, both on the left and the right, do not expect any change at all to the law. And a full strike down is highly unlikely. That said, there is maybe a 10 to 15% chance of a partial invalidation of the law in the form of the individual mandate, which would, of course, remove the protections for pre-existing conditions. So we would see a pretty strong amount of pressure, bipartisan in nature, to restore those protections. So there are a few different ways in which Congress could do that. They could repass the individual mandate as a trivial tax, such as a $1 tax on everybody. Uh, They could repass only the popular parts of the ACA. But if the GOP retains control of the Senate, expect them to ask for a number of different concessions that may not even be healthcare related to get a lot of those issues through Congress. But it sounds like you're not expecting those to happen in the early stages when the Senate comes back in January. You would expect those to take a little bit longer. Is that right? They're only going to need to take those actions if and when the Supreme Court decides to strike down part of the ACA. Again, most scholars that we have looked into do not expect that to happen. But if it does, there are remedies that Congress can employ on a pretty rapid basis. And it really just matters on who controls the Senate Mm -hmm. to see what sort of concessions will be necessary to get those measures through. Hmm. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. There's a lot at stake for healthcare in the 2020 elections. For a breakdown of the key issues, latest developments, and insights on how policy changes will impact healthcare leaders, go to advisory.com slash 2020 elections. There you'll find our rundown on the debates and where the candidates stand on the issues you care about. No matter what happens in the elections, healthcare will change next year. Find out what you need to know about and prepare for by visiting advisory.com slash 2020 elections. Democrats and Republicans have different priorities and different policy objectives in healthcare. But if you listen to Biden during the campaign or even during his victory speech, he talks a lot about compromise and certainly has a record of reaching across the aisle to pass legislation. What bipartisan policies are you expecting in the Biden era? You're definitely right that during the campaign, Joe Biden very much touted his ability to work across the aisle to get legislation done. And I think if the GOP retains control of the Senate, he's going to need all of those skills at his disposal. But there are a number of different areas that we've identified that are potential areas of compromise where we could see Republicans and Democrats working toward common purposes. One in particular, I think, is standing out, and that is surprise billing. We've already seen pieces of legislation included in the CARES Act that prevent surprise billing with respect to COVID, I could see that extended to other types of care as well. Hmm. So I think surprise billing legislation was likely to be the one area of compromise that we could expect on health care before the pandemic hit. I think it's possible that we could see that come back again. I also think you're going to see bipartisan support for telehealth. So the hmm. Trump administration Federal Communications Commission had prioritized rural broadband as one of its signature initiatives. It's likely that a Biden administration would use that rural broadband expansion to expand telehealth and expand telehealth access Mm -hmm. to rural and exurban and frankly, uh, underserved and marginalized communities across the country to reduce that digital divide. Related to that, I think a Biden administration is likely to focus on maternal health 
one of the things that Biden has touted on his campaign website is support for a California initiative to reduce maternal mortality, That's right. especially among communities of color, through a series of public-private partnerships. The public-private nature of those partnerships are likely to garner at least some GOP support, so I think we can expect some things there. Other areas that you're likely to see some bipartisan interest in, but maybe not as much action on, are related to drug pricing. So reigning in the cost of prescription drugs was a priority of the Trump administration and of the Biden campaign. It's certainly something that both have expressed support for in terms of either international indexing or price controls. Both proposals, I think, are likely to have a tough time getting through a majority of Congress, or at least in both houses, but it's possible that we could see some movement there. And then finally, price transparency. While I don't expect a Biden administration to have price transparency serve the central role that it served in the Trump administration, it's likely that a lot of those efforts are at least going to continue into the future, trying to mandate more disclosure and more price transparency to help force some more market-based solutions where possible. That's quite a bit of bipartisan work that could happen. And I'm curious if you think that value-based care is another one. I'm not sure that folks realize just how much continuity there was between the Trump and the Obama administration on value-based care programs. Do you see Biden continuing current course and speed? I, I don't know if I would say current course and speed, but absolutely a continuance of the evolution of value-based care. Let's remember that the Obama administration built on a lot of the pilots that were started during the Bush administration. They were expanded pretty significantly under the Obama administration. The Trump administration, again, built on those. The one big difference between the Trump administration and the Obama administration was more of a focus on performance rather than participation. So the Obama administration was much more focused on getting providers of all stripes, hospitals and doctors and other sorts of providers to collaborate and cooperate together. And they favored a much bigger tent approach with the idea of encouraging more and more providers to participate. And they would relax performance standards over time. So extending the performance period, for example. The Trump administration didn't have patience for that. And they mm. much more focused on performance over participation and really ratcheted up the pressure on hospitals and health systems when it came to performance standards. But we're also much more encouraging of physician-led value-based right. care because that's where we saw a lot of the big savings generated from a lot of the different early pilots that we saw. So I don't expect a Biden administration to reverse course and suddenly no longer favor physician-led care. I think that we're likely to just see a much more participatory approach whereby there are a multitude of value-based care programs that are designed to both encourage physician participation and hospital and health system participation and the participation of post-acute providers and other sorts of providers as mm -hmm. well. So I think that we're likely to see more of a shift again toward participation, but it does not mean at all that we're likely to see any of the programs that were touted by the Trump administration to suddenly fall by the wayside. I think it's going to be more of an evolution rather than a revolution. Hmm. I'm curious, as somebody who has been following and doing some predicting for some time, is there something that you think just isn't getting enough attention right now that you want to make sure that we talk about as we think about the Biden era? The Medicare trust fund is an under the radar issue. One of the things that has really come up in the last few years is the fact that the Medicare trust fund is slated to go into deficit in 2024, which wow. of course will be an election year. 
which means oh that the next administration is going to have to deal with this in some form or another, because once yes. it goes into deficit, it will start starving revenues from other areas. So it's likely that Congress is going to have to address this in some form. And when they have done this in the past, it usually takes the form of some combination of tax increases, premium increases, or outright rate cuts to providers, or maybe even a combination of all three. We saw this in 1997 with the Balanced Budget Act. We saw this with the Affordable Care Act. We're likely to have to see some form of additional legislation to prop up the trust fund within the next four years. And we're likely going to need some bipartisan support to get it through. Four years is actually not a lot of time, but I'm thinking about the state of provider organizations right now. We've talked about how their margins were super, super thin prior to the pandemic. Coronavirus has not been kind to hospital or physician group finances. Do we think that that addressing the Medicare trust fund is going to be something that the Biden administration tries to tackle quickly, or is it something that they might delay on? I think it's going to be something that is not going to be a near-term issue because when we look at a lot of the challenges facing providers right now, we see huge shortfalls even now in overall revenues. And margins are very thin if they are positive at all. And this really brings up another point of distinction between the future Biden administration and the current Trump administration, which is around provider consolidation. Hmm. When we look at the state of provider finances, we're going to see a situation potentially in 2021 in which there are some providers that are struggling and face the choice of either closing or consolidating with another organization. Hmm. It's conventional wisdom to say that a Biden administration is going to be a lot more strict and have a lot more scrutiny on intra-market consolidation. But given the political difficulty of being able to close any hospital in the midst of a pandemic or right after a pandemic, I think that we're going to see some surprises here. I think we might see some consolidation start to continue again. I think we're going to see extra market consolidation. So the development of the mega systems, we've already seen some of those big announcements in recent weeks. That's right. And I think that the challenges associated with consolidation are going to get a lot more scrutiny from a Biden administration, especially on vertical integration, meaning the acquisition of downstream or upstream providers. So Aetna acquiring CVS as an example of vertical integration. Or it could be something as simple as hospitals acquiring medical groups, hmm. right? That's another form of vertical integration. The big difference, though, is while we saw under the Trump administration a lot of scrutiny on hospital-to-hospital consolidation and, to a certain extent, payer-to-payer consolidation, we didn't see as much reticence toward approving vertical consolidation. It's likely that a Biden administration is going to pay a little bit more attention to those vertical mergers. However, any organization that wants to engage in that under a Biden presidency is going to have to demonstrate pretty significant gains in both quality and cost to be able to pass regulatory muster. Hmm. That's the current thinking, at least. Everything we have talked about is based on what we know so far, but of course, there is a lot that we don't know yet. So what are the next set of questions that we're going to need to tackle to really understand what's coming next in healthcare. You mean other than who controls the Senate? Yes, other than that big outstanding question. I would keep a very watchful eye on who is selected as cabinet appointees. So it's very clear that Mitch McConnell 
wants to use the Senate's advice and consent power to force moderate picks in the Senate. And if the GOP retains control of the Senate, we're likely to see a lot of that. If the Democrats control the Senate, we're likely to see some of these cabinet appointees sail through. So knowing who is mooted is going to be really important here. I'll give you a really good sense of where Biden wants to place his priorities and what kind of stamp he wants to put on health care. Well, Christopher, I want to thank you so much for for hopping back on Radio Advisory. I want to ask a slightly different version of the question that I ask at the end of every episode. Normally, I'm asking about what we want our listeners to focus on this week or in the immediate sense. But actually, I want to know from you, under a Biden administration, what is the biggest force that you see shaping the healthcare industry that you want our listeners to know about? Well, regular listeners here and regular readers of Advisor Word Research will know that we think that the single biggest disruptive force in healthcare right now is the huge changes that are flowing through the medical group market. Increased consolidation into megagroups, the emergence of the non-traditional providers that exist out there, the development of different in-kind technologies for being able to scale primary care in particular. These all herald some pretty profound changes for the physician market and the ways in which physicians practice medicine in general. I think that a Biden administration is likely to continue fostering models of care that persuade doctors to adopt certain types of value-based care. I think that they are going to continue encouraging physician competition where possible. I think we're going to see continued safeguarding of primary care reimbursement. We've seen it increase during the Trump years. I think that's likely to continue which means that regardless of the administration, this is the single biggest force that is facing healthcare and all players in the industry would be wise to pay attention to it and to have a strategy for being able to engage doctors in different models of care for different types of patients because that's going to be the single biggest disruptive force going forward. And of course, as we learn more, we will be talking about it right here on Radio Advisory. I'm always happy to jump on this podcast. Thanks, Christopher. Thank you. We're going to be spending quite a bit of time at Advisory Board unpacking what the election means for healthcare. So stay tuned for more from this podcast, as well as from Advisory Board. We've got a web conference coming up on December 10th that's going to be even more of a deep dive on what the election means for healthcare. And in the meantime, remember, we're here to help. Um, okay, what what what's your what's your What's your what's your plan now? <laughs>